Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. We are everyday people following Jesus every day. Uh, we are going to go through our, our whole annual celebration today. I hope you are planning to stick around for lunch at least. Again, uh, we'll worship together this morning. We'll eat lunch together. A part of that will be an opportunity to share testimonies of what God has done in your life uh, in the last year. Um, and, and so maybe be thinking about what you want to share for that, what God may be uh, laying on your heart to, uh, to bless the rest of us with. Uh, and then we will have our annual meeting at the end of uh, that time. Um, and uh, you do not have to be a member to stick around for that. Uh, if you are not a, an official member of East Hills, you are still welcome to come. Some of you said, no, I'm not a member so that I don't feel like I have to be at the meetings. And I understand that. Uh, but this one, I promise, we will uh, we'll have fun. We'll have a good time. Um, and we will talk some about uh, what, what is in front of us and, and what God may be calling us to, to dig into specifically. So I uh, would love to have you all join us for that. Normally, as part of annual celebration, uh, the, specifically around the meeting, the lead pastor uh, takes an opportunity to share a little state of the church address. Uh, this afternoon, that part is going to look more like talking about the survey that uh, many of you took last fall and what the results tell us, and uh, so then the things that we're kind of looking at and, and working toward in the months and year to come. Uh, this morning, then, I want to uh, talk a little bit uh, about who we are, uh, kind of remind us who we are, and then uh, ask this question, how does a church grow? Maybe I'm going to ask the question. You're going to click the question. How does the church grow? Specifically, what does it mean for us as we are as a church to grow? And if if Talking about churches and growing makes you a, a little uneasy. You are not alone in that. Uh, stick with me, because again, we want to talk specifically about what does it mean for us as a church to grow. So, so first, who we are, and then uh, how do we grow from here? Uh, a phrase uh, you may have heard a lot from us, but I don't think we can say too much. We are everyday people following Jesus every day. Everyday people following Jesus every day. And this is not just a definition of the people in the church. This is a definition of the church itself. Because East Hills is not primarily an organization. We are organized only to support and resource the people who make up the church and the people around us that God calls us to love. And East Hills is not a building. Not at all. Again, the building is here to resource and support the people who make up the church and the community around us that we are called to love. And what we are doing here this morning is not church. It is a sacred and important thing to gather and worship God together. Absolutely. But it is not a full definition of Church. We can't just come here on the weekend and check the box to say we've done church. Uh, we are the church. Here's how Paul says that in a letter he wrote to the first church in Ephesus. This is uh, in Ephesians, in the middle of the New Testament, chapter 2, starting in verse 
20. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone of that house is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. I understand why people say we're walking into God's house. I get it. I know why that phrase happens. It's just not biblical. We are God's house walking into a building. The building is not the church. The building is where the church gathers. Okay, the building is not the church. The building is where the church gathers. Church is an interwoven group of everyday people following Jesus every day. And we use this phrase, everyday people, not as an insult, but as a recognition of the sacredness and importance of the ordinary. A quote from Dallas Willard in The Divine Conspiracy He says, the obviously well-kept secret of the ordinary is that it is made to be a receptacle of the divine, a place where the life of God flows. The well-kept secret of the ordinary, everyday, routine things, they're made to be a receptacle of of the divine where the life of God flows. We are not trying to be a series of exceptional activities. We're not trying to be an impressive group of people. We're not trying to be a building that people admire. We are trying to be people who in our ordinary, everyday routines and conversations and activities see the life of God flow in and through and among us, following Jesus wherever he leads us to go. We are a people that God has called together. And we're following after Jesus together. Now, our English language does not help us here. This word church, as we've sort of touched on already, has too many definitions. Uh, Famously, Greek has four different words for what we use the one word, love. And that's, that's a problem. The Greek with four, that's very helpful because if I use the same word to say, I love my wife and I love tacos, like we have a problem with our English, right? Like this, I mean, I, I love tacos. They don't always love me back. I love my wife. Most of the time she loves me back and it's much better. But hopefully most, most of the time. Anyway, um, church is similarly unhelpful. One word, four different definitions, right? We, we've got a building, We've got an organization, we've got an activity, and we've got a people we would call church. And I would like to make the case, hopefully I have already started to make the case, that when Jesus said, I will build my church, what he was talking about was people. He was talking about us. He was talking about people gathering all over the world today, the ones we like and the ones we don't. He was talking about 2,000 years of people and however far on into the future until he comes back, he was talking about us. And we can easily get confused because our language does not help us out, but I don't think our language is actually the primary culprit here. Here's my thought. We will define the church 
by what we experience of it. Now, I think that is a grammatically terrible statement, and I apologize to all the English teachers. Um, I'm not quite sure, though, so this is what you get. This is how it came out of my head. We will define the church by what we experience of the church. So if what people experience of Christians is what they hear and read on the news, that is how they will define church. And frankly, I think we should all be a little sad about that. If what people experience of the church is that we're outraged about issues of convenience and silent about issues of justice, that is how they will define the church. If people experience church as people who talk about grace but spend their whole lives trying to make this perfect image so that everybody knows we've got it all together, they will believe that church is about image and not about grace. We will define the church by what we experience of it. Okay, so now taking it from out there, from people who are outside the church, to those of us in it. If when you think of the word church, your first thought is of an organization, of a pastor and some volunteer leaders who do some stuff, May I suggest that that's because you have more experience listening to a pastor than being part of a community of people. If when you hear the word church, your first thought is of a building that you go to, may I suggest that that's because you have more experience showing up to a building than leaning into a community of people. If when you picture the word, if when you hear the word church, you picture an activity to check off your to-do list on the weekend. May I suggest that's because you have more experience checking off a to-do list than actually leaning into and being part of a community of people. Being part of a loving, serving, broken, vulnerable community of people. We're everyday people following Jesus, not in a building, not on the weekend, but every day. Which then frames our question, how does a church grow? Now, this is likely not part of uh, your world, but because of my position, I get email and snail mail all the time about how to make the church grow. Send this postcard, do this thing on social media, do X, Y, Z, and don't forget double A, do all the stuff so that the church will grow And all of those things may be good and right in their own context. I think it really depends on what definition of church we're trying to grow. Are we trying to build the name and fame of East Hills? Are are we trying to overflow this building with people? What definition of church are we trying to grow? Are we trying to gain power in our community so we can make things happen? Or are we simply trying to be a community of people who grow? What we're growing and why will always matter in growth. What we're growing and why will always matter in growth. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about a garden or character or a church. 
What we're growing and why makes a massive difference. So before we get to how, let's answer why. Why do we want to grow as a church? We grow, or why do we grow as a church? We grow to share in becoming the image of Christ. This is what we are called to grow towards. We are called to grow, to share in becoming the image of Christ. Here's how Paul puts it in that same letter to the uh, church of Ephesus. This is Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 21. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. We are called to throw off the old stuff, the stuff that weighs us down, and to step into, to allow to be pulled out of us this new nature that is created, that is being formed to be like Christ. To share in this image, this likeness of God that Jesus is. Now, we live in a society that teaches us to think of you as singular. When I say the word you, we, we automatically think of the individual, the, the self, I, me, right? We just live in a very individualized society. That is what it is. That's just not how the Bible is geared. Paul is writing to a church, not to a person. And he's thinking of it as writing to a community of people, not to some individuals gathered together to hear his letter. So you, in this case, means, means all y'all, right? Everybody. A personal example from my own life in wrestling with scripture, also from this letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 is a verse uh, that I loved. Uh, the definition, or the, the uh, meaning of it has shifted for me, but I, I still love uh, this, this verse. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created, created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now, I was taught we, for we are God's masterpiece, to mean each of us. We are each God's masterpiece. And that's true, but there are other verses for that in Scripture. That's not, not this one. I, I, I looked up uh, the Greek behind this word we, uh, and it turns out it means we. <laughs> I know, very deep thoughts. It, it, it means we, means us, it means all of us. We, the people who vote differently and think differently and laugh differently, it's in weaving us together and forming us into the image of Christ together that God's handiwork is displayed. It is in us who disagree, who don't see things the same way, who come from all kinds of different backgrounds. It is in us being woven together, not just, not just East Hills. It is the church across the world in being woven together, bound together by the Spirit of God, 
that we become God's masterpiece. We are God's handiwork on display. We don't grow in our faith on our own. Now, could you? We could have that debate. Can you grow in your faith on your own? Points in both categories. Should you? No. No, if for no other reason than as you grow in your faith, I hope you grow in your obedience, and God says, no, you shouldn't. (laughs) That it is in being woven together. It is in being a community that our faith flourishes, that we share in becoming the image of Christ. And it's in sharing the image of Christ that the masterpiece happens. So back, finally, to our question. What does it mean for us as a church to grow? I want to highlight three counterintuitive ways of growing that I believe will be very significant to a church growing in this era that we are in. Not just East Hills. I think this would be true for everybody, but for us, for where we are, for the society that we live in and the time and day that we live in. Three things that I I believe are significant for how we grow. How do we best share the image of Christ in the world today, in in the society we live in? First, we grow in Christ's image, not public image. We're not trying to get everyone to know East Hills. We're not aiming to become one of the churches that people in town talk about with with reverence or, or that when people think of a church, we want them to think of East Hills first. We're not aiming for public image and a positive public reputation. So then what are we trying to become? Here's a, a real good start, at least, I think. It's Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. If we're going to share in being the image of Christ, you, all y'all, right, all of us, we must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had which is this, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. We share in becoming the image of God. Does our reputation matter? Sure. Yes, it does. I don't want us to have a lousy reputation in our community. If we share in this attitude, will we have a positive reputation? Probably, yeah. But the goal is not the reputation. The goal is to be formed, to look more like Jesus, to have our attitude and character shaped to be more like Jesus, which just as a side note, we can't actually control the image other people have of us. And that's true for us as, church, as a church, 
as an organization, and as individual people, right? So if your goal in life is to have a good reputation with the people around you, you can't actually do anything to achieve that goal in and of itself. In laying down your life on behalf of other people, will that lead to a good reputation? Yes, that's the part we can control. We can control whether we take on the same attitude as Christ, not what other people think of us, and that's okay. It just means that can't be, can't be the goal. The goal is to grow in Christ's image, to look more like Jesus, more humility, more serving others, more time looking for opportunities to love and not opportunities for power because our power, like Jesus, is nothing to cling to. So one of our goals in church growth should be to grow in influence, not power. To grow in influence, not power. Too many churches and too many Christian organizations are out there trying to accomplish and achieve and gather power for themselves. And what the world around us sees is they see somebody else who is trying to gain power. The world is full of people trying to gain power. If that is the point, there are a million different places that people can go. So why would they turn to the church that says that's not what we're about and then acts like it is? We're not trying to gather power for ourselves. We're not trying to win elections. We're trying to win people for Jesus. And if winning an election helps us win people for Jesus, then fantastic. But the winning of the election, the winning of power is not the goal. What's the difference between influence and power? I think this is critical for anybody who's in any sort of uh, leadership role in your own family. I think this is a big deal. What's the difference between influence and power? Power is a tool. Influence is the effect you have. Power is a tool. It's a thing you use. Influence is the effect that you have. Jesus said that all authority in heaven and on earth was given to him. He already has the power. And so when we're reaching for that tool, we are reaching for a tool that we don't need and isn't ours to reach for. And in doing so, we are forsaking the influence and the effect that we are called to have. Power is a position. Influence is a relationship. Now, can a powerful position help you influence people for Jesus? Sure. Yes, and if you are feeling like God is calling you to go out and run for office and win an election, please by all means step into that. If God is calling you to step into a position of power at your workplace, by all means, follow God where he is leading you. We wanna support you and cheer for you as you do, but the goal cannot be the power. The goal is the relationship, the influence We don't need to make victory or power the goal. Jesus already took care of both. He has won the victory and all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. We don't need to go after those things. Influence is the goal. And the truth is that the search for and the reach for power and for a good positive public image will always cause us to want more for ourselves. If we're going after power, if we're going after public image, we will always want more for ourselves, more resources, more attention, more people to sign on the bottom line. The problem is love means wanting more for others, not wanting more from others. 
And so if we put ourselves in a position where we are reaching for power and public image as the goal, we will miss the opportunity to love because love is wanting more for others than from them. So one of our growth goals needs to be to grow in community, not in numbers. To grow in community, not in numbers. We're not trying to gather more for ourselves. Now, are we going to talk about numbers this afternoon and budget and that kind of thing? Absolutely. Because those things are not evil or bad. They are a tool, a resource. The organization exists to resource the people who are the church and the community around us. So yes, we'll talk about those things. But the numbers are not the goal. We are aiming to be stronger as a community. Better at investing in one another, loving one another, wanting more for one another, and wanting more for the community around us. If we become that kind of community, will numbers grow? Yep, probably. Yeah. People want to be a part of that kind of community. There's a reason Jesus said people will know that we're his by how we love, because he is love, because it is part of how we, uh, the main part of how we share in his image is in being loving people and a loving community of people. And also people will be magnetically drawn to that kind of community like we watch them be drawn to Jesus in the gospels. But the numbers are not the goal. Sharing in the image of Christ is the goal. That's why we grow. So how do we become that kind of community? I want to stay in Philippians chapter two, actually, and look at the passages before and after what we just read about sharing the attitude of Christ, because this is the setup to and the results of sharing in the image of Christ. Starting in verse one, Philippians two. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And then skipping down to verse 14. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. That is the kind of community we want to grow into. And and at least for me, the kind of community I want to be a part of. The kind of community that creates light in a dark world around us. Pursuing unity over preference. Being willing to see somebody else's perspective. Wanting more for people than we want from them. And that kind of community, as we become that kind of community, we share in becoming the image of Christ. We share it with each other. We share it with the world around us. As that kind of community... We also become the kind of greenhouse environment where people's faith can flourish and grow, where each of us can grow in becoming more like Christ. And as each of us grows in this kind of community, we all grow. 
Here's the, church, the truth about uh, church growth, which is a phrase that I have uh, intentionally avoided saying up to this point because it kind of gets stuck in my throat. At least for those of us in church leadership, this phrase church growth kind of twists our insides a little bit because it has gotten twisted to mean growth in numbers and growth in budgets and growth in staff and growth in organization and growth in all this stuff around actually being the church. So here's how we have to see church growth. Church growth is the growth of each of us together into the image of Christ. Church growth is the growth of each of us together into the image of Christ. It is us, the people who are the church, sharing in with each other and with the world around us, becoming the image of Christ. That's how the church is called to grow. It is in us as a community, interwoven, reflecting God's handiwork, becoming his masterpiece as we share in, becoming the image of Christ with each other and the world around us. That's the growth that God calls for from each of us and most especially from all y'all, from us as a community. So let's ask God to help us do that because we are gonna need his help getting there. Will you pray with me as the worship team comes up? Father God, we know that we need you to form us to pull that new nature you've given us out of us, to make us more like yourself. God, naturally, our, our character goes all kinds of different directions some days. Would you refine us? Would you mold us? God, we want to work with you in seeing our community grow and how we share in reflecting you and your love. And I'm so grateful that you don't just come to us and force yourself on us, but that you work with us. That you invite us to take a next step in character, next step in serving, a next step in loving one another. God, we are grateful for all you have done for us. Jesus, we are grateful that you would love us so much that you would die for us. And we want to send that message into the world around us, that people would know your love for them, that we would share in becoming like that, that we would love each other and the world around us so that they would see you and see your love for them. God, would you guide us into being that kind of community? Would you pull us up into that kind of growth. Would you make yourself known in our community? Father, would you would you grow us in your love, in our ability to love others as you have loved us? In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for checking out our podcast. You can learn more or connect with us online at easthills.org.